Sirah, A Biography of Muhammad, The Last Messenger of Allah Written by Professor Dr. Safwat Khalilovich Chapter 32 Migration to Abyssinia Abyssinia, Arabic al-Habasha, lies on the eastern tip of the central part of the African continent. Viewed from the Arabian Peninsula, Abyssinia lies to the southwest, on the opposite shore of the Red Sea. This territory is nowadays divided between Eritrea and Ethiopia. Several reasons prompted the Prophet peace be upon him to suggest to his followers to move to Abyssinia temporarily together with their families. Among the main ones was a search for a safer ground for the first Muslims, who underwent great suffering and torture. The abuse of the first Muslims start when the Prophet publicly declared the essence of the Islamic creed, La ilaha illallah, there is no God but Allah. These words disturbed the pagans, polytheists, and their ideology, and the Islamic creed clashed. As the pagans were more numerous and better off persecution and torture of the first Muslims started. Some of the Muslims were tortured so brutally that they died a horrible death, like Amar's parents, Sumeya and Yasir, radiallahu anhum. The persecutions by the pagans commenced in the middle or the end of the fourth year and gained in intensity in the fifth year of the Prophet's mission. That year, the torture and abuse of the Muslims by the pagans happened on daily basis, becoming fiercer every day. The Quranic Surah 18, The Cave, was revealed in the middle of that year. Among other things, it tells about a group of young believers who took refuge in a cave fleeing a tyrannical ruler's terror. That was a clear sign that the first Muslims should also seek refuge at another safer place. Since Quraysh enjoyed great respect with the other Arab tribes with whom they formed alliances, it was difficult to find a corner in the Arabian Peninsula where they would be safe, as Quraysh and their allies would have soon found and decimated them. The Prophet, peace be upon him, knew that Abyssinia was ruled by the king, or the Negus, Arabic Najashi, named Ashama. He was a Christian and just ruler who treated everyone equally, irrespective of race, nation, or social class. The Prophet told the companions to go to Abyssinia, because that land is ruled by a man who does not allow injustice to be done to anyone. That was the reason why one group of companions went to Abyssinia together with their wives and children. In the month of Rajab, of the fifth year of the prophethood, the first group of Muslims, made up of twelve men and four women, emigrated to Abyssinia. It was led by Uthman ibn Affan, who emigrated together with his wife Rukaya, daughter of the Messenger of God, peace be upon him. They left Mecca secretly at night and sailed across the Red Sea aboard a small vessel. The Prophet, peace be upon him, said about that event, 
Uthman is the first person after Lot, peace be upon him, who emigrated because of his faith. The group was also comprised of the famous companions Al-Zubayr ibn al-Awwam, Musa ibn Umair, Abdurrahman ibn Auf, Abu Salama, and his wife Umm Salama, Abu Huzaifa ibn Utba, and his wife Sahla bin Suhail. They were soon followed by the second group, headed by the Prophet's cousin Jafar ibn Abi Talib. Historians state that the total number of Muslims who emigrated to Abyssinia, excluding little children, was 83 men and 18 women. The Negus welcomed them warmly and placed them under his protection. Some migrants returned from Abyssinia before the Prophet's migration to Medina. Some did it after, while some others stayed in Abyssinia very long, like Abu Sufyan's daughter, Umm Habib, whose real name was Remla bint Abu Sufyan, who had emigrated to Abyssinia together with her husband, Ubaidullah ibn Jahsh, apostatized there and converted to Christianity. On the seventh A.H. in Hijrai, the Prophet sent Amr, Ibn Umayyah to Abyssinia with a letter to the Nagus calling him to embrace Islam, which the Nagus did. That same year, the Prophet proposed to Umm Habiba with the Nagus acting as his proxy. When she accepted, the Nagus solemnized the marriage between her and the Prophet, peace be upon him, and gave her a dowry of 400 dinars in gold. She received the most valuable dowry of all the Prophet's wives. She arrived in Medina as late as in the 7th A.H., Enoah Hijrai, which means that some companions spent a total of 15 years in Abyssinia. Jaffer's Speech About Islam, a fine example to preachers and missionaries. The migration to Abyssinia enraged the Pagan camp in Mecca. A considerable number of the Muslims whom they had tortured and persecuted were now in safety. The Pagans pondered how to further harass the Prophet peace be upon him and the Muslims. They opted for a two-pronged action in Mecca. They sent a delegation whose task was to contact the Prophet's uncle Abu Talib and try to make him turn against the Prophet and to Abyssinia. They sent two envoys whose mission was to smear the Muslims and pit the Negus against them. The two men who went to Abyssinia were Abdullah ibn Abi Rabia and Amr ibn al-As. The latter was still on the side of the pagans at that time. They brought precious gifts from Mecca, from the Negus and his dignitaries. They brought leather goods that were in high demand in Abyssinian to appease the Abyssinian sovereign and persuade him to expel from his territory the Muslims who took refugee there. When they arrived, they first gave gifts to every patriarch, telling them, To the land of your king there has fled a group of our unreasonable young men who abandoned the religion of their people but haven't embraced yours. 
they preach some new religion, unknown to you and us. We have been sent to the king by the highest dignitaries of our people with a plea that he should deliver them to us. So please, when we talk with the king about them, be kind to suggest to him to hand them over to us, but that he should not talk with them at all. Our people are wiser than they and know very well what they condemn them for. The patriarchs promised to do what they were asked. After that, Amr and Abdullah were received by Dinagas, and after they presented their gifts, they told him the reason for their visit. The patriarchs kept their promise and supported them at the court. The Nagus, however, did not like that approach, and he exclaimed angrily, No, by God, they have arrived only recently. They have come to my land and chosen me above all others, and I'm not going to deliver them before hearing their response to the allegations of these two men. If these allegations prove to be true, I will hand them over to their people. But if they do not, I will grant them protection, welcome them nicely, and provide them everything they need. This shows that the Negus was really a just ruler and that he was not allow anyone's right to be jeopardized or usurped in his country. So it was up to the Muslims now to respond to the pagans' allegations, to speak at the king's court in front of the church dignitaries, and the royal entourage was not an easy task. The companions conferred what to do and chose Jafar ibn Abi Talib to speak on their behalf. He was to tell the truth and nothing but the truth. The discussion at the Abyssinian court was very interesting. The Negus asked, What is this religion for which you have abandoned your people, yet you haven't embraced mine Christianity? Jafar responded, O king, we were an ignorant people, worshipping idols, eating meat of Karen, fornicating, severing family ties, harassing neighbors, the strong oppressing the weak. Thus we were until God sent us a messenger from among our kin, one whose lineage, honesty, reliability, and irreproachability we knew well. He called us unto God to testify to his oneness and serve him alone and to renounce what we and our fathers had worshipped beside him. And he commanded us to speak truly, to fulfill promises, to respect the ties of kinship, to treat our neighbors well, to refrain from the forbidden and from bloodshed, he forbade to us fornication, lies, usurpation, or orphan's property, and defamation of virtuous women. He commanded to us to worship God alone and not to associate anything with him. He then mentioned the other Islamic rules, while the present Muslims confirmed it. Everything the Prophet has told us came from God, and we have accepted and applied it. We worship God alone, and do not associate anything to Him. We forbid what He has forbidden, 
and allow what he has allowed. But our people turned against us and persecuted us to make us forsake our religion and revert from the worship of the exalted God to the worship of idols. They wanted us to go back to our bad old ways. And after they charged at us with all their might, after they resorted to violence against us, after they deprived us of all our rights and stood between us and our religion, we have come to your country. O King, we have chosen you above all others, and we want to be in your proximity. And it is our hope that here, at your side, we shall not suffer injustice. Do you have anything with you that was revealed from God? asked the Negus. I do, answered Jaffer. Read it out to me. Jaffer, read the opening verses of the Surah 19. Mary and the Negus wept so much that his tears pured down to his beard. His bishops wept also with tears dripping on their books. The Negus then said, This and what was revealed to Jesus has undoubtedly come from the same source. You too may leave, for by God I will not deliver them to you. No way. Two important lessons. First, we can see that Jeffers' address was brief, yet meaningful and very impressive. It came from a believer's heart and was filled with sincerity and a great desire to present the truth in the best manner. This address may serve as a good example to everyone involved in missionary work or discourse on Islam. Jaffer also touched on the blessings of a life lived in the embrace of Islam, warning of misery that awaited people in this life if they lived in distance from their Creator and His guidance. Jaffer's words poses universal value. People still engage in debauchery, sever family ties, harass neighbors, and the stronger press the weak, resulting in an escalation of violence and hatred, usurpation of another's rights, unrest, and anxiety of the whole mankind. Indeed, the need for a religion, Islam, is universal for all times, and Islam still has a lot of offer to the world, especially in terms of making people's lives and relations more humane and promoting universal values and the common good. The other lesson lies in Jaffer's response to the Negus when he asked the Muslims about the Islamic teachings on Jesus, having been talked into by Quraysh envoys. Ummu Salama, who was present there, relates. The following day, Amr ibn al-As tried to turn the Negus' attention to the Islamic teachings on Jesus by telling him, O king, they say grave things about Jesus, son of Mary. Send for them and ask them what they say about him. 
and the negus sent for them to ask them the question. Umu Salama continues, That was the hardest thing for us. We again gathered at one place to confer. We agreed that we should tell about Jesus only what Allah had said and what his messenger had conveyed, be what may. It was Jafar who again spoke in front of the Negus when he asked them what they said about Jesus, son of Mary. We say of him what our prophet brought unto us, peace and blessing of God be upon him. Jesus is a slave of God, his messenger, his spirit, and his word, which he cast unto Mary, the chaste virgin. Having heard this, the negus smacked the ground with his palm, took a little piece of wood from it, and said, Jesus, son of Mary, is different from what you have just said by the length of this stick. The church patriarchs around him disapproved, but he retorted. For all your disapproval, it is so by God. He then told the Muslims, Go your way, for you are safe in my land. Whoever insults you will be punished. Not for mountains of gold would I harm a single one of you. He added, referring to Quraysh and voice. Return to these two men their gifts, for I have no use for them. It is clear from this citation that in a dialogue with Christians, Muslims should not immediately mention the essential differences between them, such as, for example, the issue of Jesus' crucifixion, resurrection, trinity, but should bring up the aspects the two religions share, and they share the heavenly origin, believe in the resurrection of the dead and the afterlife and many ethical norms. Christianity also forbids fornicating, lying, appropriating another's property, usurping another's rights. For that reason, when referring to the need for a dialogue between the Muslims and the people of the book Ahlul Kitab, that is, Christians and Jews, the Noble Quran commands, Believers, argue only in the best way with the people of the book, except with those of them who act unjustly. Say, we believe in what was revealed to us, and in what was revealed to you. Our God and your God are one and the same. We are devoted to him. Chapter 29, verse 46 If differences are emphasized at the very beginning of a Muslim-Christian dialogue, then it will inevitably be unsuccessful. Therefore, it would be very advisable for Muslims not to immediately raise the issues that are unacceptable from the Islamic point of view, while the Christians, if they wished a true dialogue, should recognize Islam as a heavenly religion and Muhammad peace be upon him as a messenger and the prophet of God, despite the fact they do not agree with many tenets of Islam. This would give a stronger footing to the dialogue, which could give better results in terms of peace, tolerance, and coexistence of the two greatest world cultures and civilizations, the Christian and the Muslim one.
The first and the second migration of the first Muslims to Abyssinia strongly indicates that the bonds between the believers, who are followers of different religions, are stronger and firmer than the believers' bonds with idol worshippers and atheists, given that the religions of heavenly origin agree about the chief moral and social issues, and in principle about the belief in God, his messengers and the judgment day. In the times like this, when exclusion of the divine principles of morality has become the basic principle of politics and public life in general, the believers, followers of the religions of celestial origin, have many things in common that can bring them closer to one another, particularly if they want to confront the invasion of atheism and immorality. Muslims must be persistent and work hard for Islam. When Amr ibn al-As and Abdullah ibn Abi Rabia returned from Abyssinia without success, Quraysh in Mecca became even more furious. They started devising new malevolent plans of harassment. They decided to visit Abu Talib and tell him to try to persuade Muhammad to stop defaming their idols. They even threatened Abu Talib himself should he not do what he was requested. They would declare an all-out war on him and the Muslims. This three really went down hard with Abu Talib, and he sent for Muhammad peace be upon him. When he arrived, Abu Talib informed him about it and told him, Have pity on both of us. Do not burden me with doing what I am incapable of doing. At that moment, the Prophet, peace be upon him, thought that his uncle was renouncing him because he no longer had the strength to protect him. He said, O uncle, if they gave me the sun in my right hand and the moon in the left, I would not forsake this cause. I will fight until the end. Come what may, may I win or perish. The prophet then cried and soon rose to leave. Having seen his resolve, Abu Talib told him, Go, my nephew, and preach what lies in your heart, and rest assured that I will never abandon you or hand you over to anyone. May Allah be my witness. Quraysh were disappointed again. They saw that their pressure on Abu Talib was fruitless, but they did not concede defeat. They devised a new plan. They visited Abu Talib, bringing along a young man whose name was Imara ibn Walid ibn al-Mugire. Abu Talib, they said, this is the most intelligent and handsome youth among Quraysh, and we give him to you as a gift, take him and make good use of his intelligence and strength. May he be like a son unto you, and you hand us over your nephew, who has abandoned your and your forefathers' religion and caused this rift among us. We want to kill him, so we'll give you a man for a man, a life for a life. Abu Talib answered. By Allah, your offer is really hideous. You are giving me your boy to feed 
and you want me to give you my son so that you would kill him? Never. I swear to Allah, it will never happen. Despite the fact that the pagans again failed to carry out their intent, they did not give up. Two important lessons can be drawn from these events. The first, the ones who do not follow the divine guidance and who fight the followers of the right path are very persistent and do not give up easily. Whenever they fail in an attempt to oppose and destroy the truth and its followers, they find a methods to fight against the faithful. This is something that everyone who is calling to the path of Islam should be aware of. The advocates of the untruth are very persistent and work hard for their cause. If the faithful are not persistent and do not work enough for the religion revealed to them, there is a great risk that the religion and its followers would be an easy prey for the adversaries. The lesson, therefore, is that one should work hard for to promote the truth revealed by the Lord of the worlds. The second. There cannot be anyone compromise in the struggle against the untruth and fallacy. The best illustration is the Prophet's answer to his uncle Abu Talib. O oh, uncle, if they gave me the sun in my right hand, and the moon in the left, I would not forsake this cause. With these words, the Prophet rejected everything that Quraysh offered him, and this, among other things, is a proof of the Prophet's sincerity and how much he cared for the guidance for mankind. This is a lesson to missionaries of Islam that they must exercise endurance and perseverance in their mission, despite the efforts of the opponents of the truth. A missionary must firmly reject all attempts of bribe or enticement with offers related to rank or reputation.